Christian faith and fiction, inspirational reading suggestions, along with chats about the Christian faith. The following episode is an audio version of a video that I recorded for my YouTube channel, Christian Faith and Fiction. If you would like to watch the video rather than listen to the audio, you can do so by clicking the link in the show notes. Please do share your thoughts by commenting either on the video or on the relevant blog post, links in the show notes. Hello, welcome back to my channel, Christian Faith and Fiction. My name's Lou. Today I'm going to share with you some books that I've been reading recently. We've got some Christian fiction books, Christmas books, uh, an Agatha Christie, some kids' books, um, a non-Christian, fi- non-Christian, a non-fiction Christian book. Um, so quite a range of books. Check through, have a look and see if there's anything you're interested in. Let me know in the comments if you've read any of those books and we'll see how I got on. So I want to talk to you about a few books that I've read recently. Um, first of all, I read Five Go Adventuring Again by Enid Blyton. This is one of the famous five books and it takes place at Christmas time. So it's perfect for this time of year and it's very wintry and snowy. Um, it has a bit of a mystery in it as the book goes on. And I gave that a story rating of 8 out of 10 and a, a faith rating of 0 because it's clean. There wasn't anything problematic in it, but no faith content. And then I listened to The Ice Children by M.G. Leonard. This was free on Audible Plus and I listened to it there. Um, It is a middle grade fantasy mystery and to start with I really was enjoying it but as it went on it became clear that it's really an, an educational book about climate change and I'm not a fan of books that are really obviously educational, have a really obvious agenda to them Um, I like it to be a bit more subtle and that was very much in your face. Um, Plus there was a bit of content in it that I would say is not um, Christian content. So it had sort of um, new agey beliefs about spirit animals, a bit like that going on. So I wasn't totally happy about that. So I gave that one 6 out of 10 for story content and a minus 2 out of 3. Um, for faith content just because there are some problematic things that some people might find problematic and I did so some people might not do but I did and then I have just finished The White Christmas Inn by Colleen Wright this was a fantastic contemporary romance story it is set in Vermont in an inn called the Evergreen Inn and it has lots of um, white Christmas and holiday inn sort of vibes to that Um, It is following multiple characters. Uh, It is set in this inn at Christmas time and it it snows, there's a snow blizzard and all these different characters get um, snowed in together and the blizzard causes them to sort of be stuck there together. And I really love that ton of trope of people being snowed in at Christmas, um, especially if they don't know each other or there's like different um, conflicts going on and they have to live in the same place together. It was a really sweet romance and um, there were several different relationships going on in the book. It followed multiple personalities and um, POVs and so it's following um, Molly who is a, a, a struggling writer. She's a children's writer and she's trying to um, come up with an idea for a story and so she books in there and then there's a guy called Marcus with his two girls who gets stuck in the snow and has to stop there and um, bunk down there. And then there's Hannah who is due to be getting married at Christmas there 
and there's um, all sorts of problems going on with that and then there's Luke who um, she used to know when they were children and then Jean and Tim I think his name was they both run the inn but they're struggling and they're thinking they're going to have to close it down but they're also struggling with their marriage and so everything is kind of going on around the winter time and this inn and the build up to Christmas and it was absolutely lovely. Um, it's going to go on to my favourites list for, Chris, um, for Christmas books. Uh, I was told it was a clean book but actually there was like I think I counted three references to the Christian version of Christmas and somebody somebody's faith briefly. Um, so I'm going to give it one out of three for faith content and ten out of ten for story content. I would definitely read it again and I would recommend it to anyone who likes contemporary romance. It's the 21st of December. I finished listening to Murder in the Muse by Agatha Christie. This is a collection of four short mysteries, um, Hercule Poirot mysteries, and it is nothing to do with Christmas. Um, it does have a red cover though, so it sort of fits in with my themes at the moment. Uh, I gave it a story rating of 7 out of 10 and a Christian faith rating of minus 0 0.5 out of 3. That's because it was clean, but it does refer to someone sort of talking to the dead in one of the stories. Um, the stories are like, the first two were very, very similar to some short stories that I've read by her before. And then the last one is very similar to one of her novels, which, so I think maybe she like takes short stories, turns them into novellas, and then maybe takes the novellas, turns them into novels. I don't know, um, but I didn't enjoy it quite so much just because I could really predict what was going to happen because I already read those other stories, but you might not be in that same position. Uh, and then I read A Tale of Two Hearts by Michelle Greek, which is one of the novellas from her um, series The Dickensian Christmas, I think it's called. Once Upon a Dicken Dickens Christmas, Once Upon a... Yeah, Once Upon a Dickens Christmas. And this is the second one, I think. Um, there's not really any correlation with the previous one, just like there's a, like a queen that crosses over between them. Um, but this is set in Victorian times. It is like a fake dating kind of trope. There's a girl called Mina who is a like a barmaid in her dad's sort of tavern, and one of the guys who she has a crush on who comes in regularly asks her to be his fake wife so that he can try and get the inheritance from his uncle who he thinks will have more chance of getting it if his uncle thinks that he's married and so she sort of goes on a fake date as it were to meet his family and um, things kind of spiral out of there. It was I thought it was really good, really fun, um, it was Christmassy, it was um, good story I liked the romance I liked the amount of faith content in it was really good and um, the dilemmas that they kind of came up with their faith and with the scenarios that they found themselves in I really liked the the character of the uncle as well um, and also the sort of Dickens references this one doesn't have such obvious easter eggs as the first um, 12 days at Bleakley Manor but it does have lots of quotes from Dickens and they both uh, uncle uncle and Mina both really like to read Dickens so um, I enjoyed that part of it. I gave the story 9 out of 10 for story content and 3 out of 3 for Christian faith content. And then I read the ebook of Like a Holiday Inn by Lindsay Harrell. This is book, the sort of fourth 
Christmas novella in that um, series. I have enjoyed all of those ones. This one particularly had more faith content in it. Actually, it's been more of a clean fiction series, but this one had actually did have some decent um, faith faith content. It's following, or it's set in her kind of um, imaginary village in Cornwall called Port Willis. And it started off with a book called The Secrets of Paper and Ink. And then every year since then, I think she's been doing Christmas novella set in that um, with some of the side characters. This is following Rebecca who appeared appeared in a previous uh, book. She's a bit of an ice queen, she's got a cold reputation and she's running an inn in the village and then one of her friend's brothers comes to stay but he can't stay with her friend so she, he ends up staying in the inn, the hotel with her and he really winds her up and just won't leave her alone and she just wants to be left alone for Christmas um, and she's supposed to have like a wedding party coming and is like you can't stay um, but he ends up having to stay there at least for a couple of nights and it's all about their kind of time together and their her kind of opening up and exploring why she's become so cold and hardened off yeah, I really enjoyed the story. I really like Lindsay Harrell's contemporary romance writing. It was good fun. Um, she managed to get a lot of like, character into that very short, like 140 pages, I think it is. So yeah, enjoyed it a lot. I gave it 9 out of 10 for story content and 3 out of 3 for faith content. It is New Year's Eve. I've finished reading On the Way to Christmas by Sheila Roberts, Melissa Ferguson and Amy Clipston. This is a collection of three Christmas contemporary romance novellas. Um, one of them is a Christian fiction, the other two I'd say clean fiction. Overall I gave the um, whole book uh, 7 out of 10 and for story content and 1 out of 3 for um, faith content. That's because only one of the stories had faith content in it. The first story is called A Christmas Do-Over, that's by Sheila Roberts and this is um, following Darby who used to be a mean girl and she's got saved and now she's going home for Christmas and she's got to sort of face up to her past and try and put right different um, friendships and relationships. I liked the concepts of the story, I liked the faith content in this um, one. I did quite like the characters and story however I did feel like they just tried to fit too many characters and too many relationships into that sort of like 100 page story and it just felt rushed at times. She sort of had to skip over bits and just sort of tell you what happened this and happened this um, rather than like living through it and experiencing it. So I didn't feel that was so satisfying to read. Um, so I gave that one 6 out of 10. The second story is Dashing Through the Snow by Melissa Ferguson. This is a clean contemporary romance and it's following Willow who is just um, broken up from her long-term boyfriend he's just left her but she still decides to go on this Christmas train holiday that they booked together and it's you know it's very very Christmassy it's slightly awkward to start with it's quite funny the story um, I enjoyed this one the most in terms of story content I thought it was really upbeat and fun and very Christmassy I would read this one again I think it had a really great atmosphere for Christmas um, it was didn't have any Christian content to it, but it was clean. And finally, A Perfectly Splendid Christmas by um, Amy Clipston is following Casey, who is helping out her, her sister's bakery. Um, 
she's sort of working from home but she usually lives in the city and she kind of reconnects with someone she knew when she was a child who is a music teacher who wants to stay in Splendid Lake and I believe there is a story that she's already written a book in set in Splendid Lake and I think if I had read that book I might have been a bit more connected to the place and the people that are sort of mentioned in it. I enjoyed the romance, I enjoyed the dynamics of Casey's family and the story, I felt they paced it well and I gave that one um, 7 out of 10 and the, um, the previous one I gave a 9 out of 10 for story content and both that one and the last one were clean fiction. So I've just finished reading The Architect by Jonathan Starrett. I got a free copy of this through NetGalley. I requested a copy and Tyndale were kind enough to let me have an advanced copy. So thank you for that. I think it's releasing on February the 7th, 2023. Um, and it's a middle grade Christian. Um, well, it's hard to describe the genre a little bit. It's like historical. It feels To me, it feels like 1920s, 1930s. But it's dystopian kind of there are zeppelins in the sky there's like people are afraid of the zeppelins and there's like a climb people are sort of yeah i don't know how much to say without like giving away too much of the plot let me have a look at what they said in the description there's a golden rule in phantom city no one about when the zeppelin is out but one night, 12-year-old Charlie Crane comes face to face with the Zeppelin and instead of finding trouble, she is awakened. Determined to find the truth in a city plagued with lies, Charlie, along with a quirky band of unlikely heroes, works to free the people of Phantom City from the clutches of a shadowy evil villain. So there's that kind of 1920s feel, 1930s feel of like old cinema, old like flashbulb cameras. Um, then there's like... A superhero type elements to it there's sort of like quirky technology going on um there's like spies and like thriller and mystery elements to it um it's sort of slightly fantastical in places i think more whimsical maybe um but i really enjoyed this book i enjoyed the setting it took me a little while to get into the um the setting and the genre of it like I actually read the first three chapters th twice through just to get my head around what type of book it was once I got into it I really enjoyed it I enjoyed the younger characters particularly um one of the older characters I found it a little bit corny but it is a children's book it's not meant for me um my age I really enjoyed the sort of the slightly quirky whimsical nature of the um tech the tech and the the sort of I don't know what to call it spy team this sort of group of band of people that come together I love the friendships in that I loved particularly loved all the like Christian allegory that went behind it so there was a lot of um spiritual themes that I got through it definitely a Christian based book um but not in your face so there's sort of themes of redemption and salvation, people being lost, of um, evangelism, of people joining together in a team like a church, um, of people getting saved, of people um, just learning about God and God's plan for their lives. Uh, all of that's there, but in a very allegorical way. So it's not in your face. I really think this could be a good 
starting point for conversations with children about faith and about um, Christian faith. Um, I could see it being used like parents and children spending time together reading it and then having conversations about it. I could see it being used in a kids' ministry if they if there was like room for reading a book together. I don't know, um, or in a classroom setting if they wanted to teach about the Bible and and God in a more f- fun way. Um, I I definitely appreciated it. So I gave this book um, a nine out of ten for story content and three out of three for faith content. So I finished reading The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. This is translated by E.M. Blakelock and the foreword by Jennifer Rees Larkin. I found the central message of this really helpful. It's talking about um, keeping your mind set on um, God and just remembering that he's with you all the time. That's the sort of message that I got from it. He was a monk in the 17th century, so some of... Um, some of the books dedicated to his letters are written in like 1680, 1690 sort of time. He was a Catholic monk who joined a monastery, wanted to dedicate his life to God, got put in the kitchen because he was not so um, good at things, I guess. Uh, he was sort of considered not so academic. I'm not quite sure. Um, but anyway, he was in the kitchen doing a lot of washing up and he started to think about God all the time and pray to God all the time and just imagine God there all the time and do everything that he was doing, all the menial tasks, he was doing it just for the love of God and he started to experience the presence of God in his life and just the joy and the love of God would be with him all the time and so people would sort of be asking him questions and some of the book is like his letters back to those people who had asked him questions, some of it's like dictated I think um, from his thoughts on things and then some of it's a, co- a collection of like um, conversations that someone remembered of having with him. As I said I, I, I appreciated the central message of it, I found that encouraging to start off the year thinking about just um, bringing God into every moment of my life something that I've tried to do for years being in a Pentecostal charismatic church tradition that kind of idea of the Holy Spirit is always with you and always God is always wanting to talk to you is not new to me but actually practicing it is um, another thing and remembering God in keep bringing my mind back to God I liked that he said it was like a practice as in you had to practice it it wasn't like something that comes naturally to you just or automatically fall into it when you become a Christian you you have to practice it and so that was helpful um and his just his idea of just loving God through all the everyday activities that was helpful um I found the style a little bit difficult to sort of go with not quite so easy to grasp as like a devotional book might be it's a classic book it's written in the 17th century somebody sort of compiled it after his death I think so it's not you know it's not written in the style of something that's necessarily easy to read and pick bits out of 
um, you have to sort of read it and collect bits for yourself. And also it's written from a Catholic point of view and there are some theological things like purgatory and that sort of thing that I would disagree with on that basis. Um, he was never... Sometimes he didn't seem to be quite sure whether he was going to heaven or to hell or to purgatory, but he didn't seem to mind because he would still be worshipping God wherever he went. Um, I just wanted to say to him, it's okay, you've got faith, you will be saved, <laughs> it's all right. Um, so, yeah, but apart from that, I did find it really interesting to see someone who is in this Catholic tradition in a monastery such a long time ago and yet has so many... Um, similarities to my own Pentecostal charismatic faith in this century. So I, I give it 7 out of 10 and I give it 4 stars on Goodreads. I finished reading The Mistletoe Countess by Pepper Basham. This is a historical Christian fiction. Um, it starts off in America, ends up in um, the UK, in Britain. It is set in 1913. And it's following Grace, whose sister is meant to be marrying um, Lord Astley, Frederick, and uh, that's all kind of gearing up for her marriage, and she's sort of hiding in the library. She loves books, Grace loves books, and her sister is the very um, elegant, poised, trained one, and she's sort of, her mouth runs away with her, and she's always got her head in stories, thinking about stories and imaginary worlds. And something happens, which I won't go into, um, but it ends up that Grace ends up marrying Lord Astley in, um, instead and having to go to England. And there's a mystery surrounding um, Frederick's sort of family and his past. And Grace wants to, um, to solve it because she's sort of obsessed with, I think, books like Sherlock Holmes and that sort of characters. This book has some really good faith content in it. They both have um, strong faith, uh, Christian faith, and I appreciated that a lot. Um, I really love the characters of both Frederick and Grace. Um, really fun to read. I thought it was um, sort of hijinks kind of um, a story. Um, I really liked the mystery, which kicks in more in the second half of the book. Um, I liked the romance. I did feel that a bit too much time was spent um, talking about the physical aspects of romance. Obviously they're, they get married pretty early on in the book, um, so they are a newly married couple, so you know it's quite natural and normal for them to be thinking about sex, but it did, I felt like it just, for my taste, it just sort of uh, lingered on that side of it a bit more than I care to read normally, um, but other than that I really loved it um, in content. Uh, if you don't want to hear this part, skip over it a bit. Um, but in terms of content, there was descriptions of kissing and making out in detail. Um, but once it got to the bed scenes, the sex scenes, it just um, faded out into the sunset. So you don't get any of that described. Um, I was worried as I was sort of reading through thinking, wow, they're describing the kissing really uh, in depth here. I wonder what it's going to be like once they actually get into bed. But actually, at that point, it just faded out and you don't get to see any of that on screen as it were. So in a sense it is clean, it's definitely moral as they are married um, and it doesn't go as far as some of the mainstream books that I've read. Um, I just prefer not to have quite so much emphasis on the physical side of romance and a bit more on just the emotional side. 
So I'm really looking forward to the second book in this series. Unfortunately, I'm a on a book buying ban, so I won't be able to pick it up straight away. Um, it'll have to wait until later in the year. Uh, but I am looking forward to that one. I think it comes out in February and it's on their honeymoon in Egypt, I think. As I said, it was a really fun historical romantic mystery. So I would have liked to have given this one um, a 4.5 on Goodreads. I think it deserves that other half star, but we're not allowed to give half stars on Goodreads. Um, in terms of story content, I gave it 8.75, very specific, um, out of 10, and faith rating of 3 out of 3. So those are the books that I've read recently. Let me know down in the comments any good books that you've read recently. I hope you're having a really great reading week and until next time, God bless. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Christian Faith and Fiction podcast. If you would like more information, you can click the link in the description. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app to make sure you catch the next episode.